Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Um, A few years ago, I was helping out with a few different wineries and their bottling process. Um, Down in this region, there's this really cool machine that uh, wineries, it's kind of like a wine corking truck kind of like a food truck, but instead it has the entire like bottling process in the truck. So um, it's really fun because a couple different wineries will get together and rent that truck for the day. And so I went and helped and it was fun because we I got to work with a few different wineries and see all of the different bottle caps, screws. It was really cor- uh, screw caps and corks that uh, they use for their closing their bottles. So I also, when I was working on the bottling line, had some really fun conversations with some of the different winemakers about their choices and why they had screw caps versus corks, consumer consumer perceptions of the two. And so I thought it would be fun. I know that Haley also used a different method to close her bottle than I was using. So I thought, let's talk about them. All those things that go on the top of the bottle. Bottle caps, corks, screw caps. Am I missing any? Maybe, but not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Okay, so Haley, you use the term closures. Can you explain to me what this term is and why you used it? Yes. So (laughs) if we use the term corks, like there are people that use screw caps. There are people that use crown caps. There's people that use um, synthetic cork. There's people that use glass corks. There's all kinds of different closures. So that's what we call uh, in the wine industry just closure is anything that closes the bottle and makes sure that the wine is not going to leak out. Okay. Okay. I just had my mind blown about a couple of those. Um, One, (laughs) learning that I forgot crown caps. Thank you. Versus, I I don't know. I think you said crown cap in there. No, I said bottle cap. (laughs) Well, same thing. (laughs) Um, So crown cap. But the other one was... Glass, glass cork. cork. Yeah. So that got really think, popular a couple of years ago. And then yeah. a lot of people in the wine industry realized you if you're gonna do a glass cork, you uh-huh. have to make sure you have very precise glass bottles. Oh. Because if you if your glass bottles have slight differentiations in them, the glass cork doesn't create a seal. Or it doesn't create a very good seal. Um, okay. So, yeah, glass glass is really cool. The glass corks are really cool. They look really cool, um, but they've ended up kind of. They were doing super well and becoming really popular, and now they kind of, I think, have plateaued because it does. It, there's problems with um, some of the ways that they um, uh, actually close a bottle. <laughs> okay. So my next question, which you kind of jumped into, was the different types of closures. So mm-hmm. do you want to kind of go through each of those different uh, types of closures, describe maybe yeah. just really quickly what they are and and why benefits, drawbacks, real yeah. quick? 
The biggest one people think of with wine is natural cork. Natural mm-hmm. cork comes from the bark of a cork tree, and it's a renewable resource. So the bark is removed in pretty big chunks. The tree mm-hmm. continues to live and, oh. and I think regenerates that layer of bark. It's a kind of a weird type of um, a weird type of <laughs> uh, bark because most of the time when you remove bark from a tree, it uh, especially in, Kills the in tree. big chunks, yeah, then it creates a pathway for things to get into the tree. But I believe that cork trees regenerate their bark. What region of the world are cork trees found? Most cork is comes from Portugal, but there, are, uh, Spain. There's also other regions that are being planted in cork, so that it's more renewable than it already is because it's available closer to where the wine is being bottled. So another reason we need to go to Portugal together. Excellent. Yes. So we can see the cork trees. And, and drink Vino Verde. <laughs> yes. Okay. The, so then the next up, or do you have more on that one? That, no, that's kind of it on natural cork for right now. There, the drawback so, there would be if you use natural cork, oh. um, you ask for pros and cons. So if you use natural mm-hmm. cork, there is, it's a natural product. So it has variations, difference in color, difference in texture. Sometimes you have corks that leak. Sometimes you have corks that have cork taint or other mm-hmm. um, spoilage organisms that are present in them. The cork industry has gotten really good. Uh, the natural cork industry has gotten really good at processes to make sure there's as little um, leakage as possible in the variations that you're going to get and as little spoilage as possible. Uh, it's a super, super small percentage if you buy good corks that you're going to have issues with. Okay. So next up, let's talk about synthetic corks. Synthetic corks are a great option because they are very customizable. You can use 100% consumer, um, post-consumer recycled content, I believe. You can get different colors. You can have your logo put in them in different ways. And let me say, in natural cork, you can have your logo put on natural cork as well, mm-hmm. but um, you're not going to have like a blue natural cork. And if your color yeah. in your winery is blue, like we just talked about blue wines, maybe you want a blue <laughs> cork. Um, the synthetic cork, biggest con in synthetic corks is consumer perception, I would say. they People yeah. typically think of cheaper wines have synthetic cork. Mm-hmm. The other con for wine makers or wine connoisseurs is natural cork breathes. Synthetic mm-hmm. cork doesn't. There's just not that um, oxygen exchange that's going to go on in the bottle while it's aging. That being said, they are making big changes in the synthetic cork industry. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that that's changing. I'm not as up to date on synthetic cork because I don't, I've never used synthetic cork. Um and that also reminds me, I should say with natural cork, you can get different types of natural cork. So you can get the cork that all of us think of that's just like a solid piece of cork. And you can almost mm-hmm. imagine that being punched out of a, a big piece of um, cork bark. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you go into different wineries, sometimes they'll have like a, an actual piece of bark and they can show you like, yeah, look, this is the bark and this is how it gets punched out. And But then they can take all the other leftover pieces and chop them up or grind them up and make them into, uh, use pressure mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and make them into a cork that's made out of a bunch of small pieces, which I'm sure you've also seen. Yeah, I just thought about like plywood. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a plywood cork, but it's a it's a I believe it's called a polylam cork. Okay. Um, okay. So it's a poly mini pieces laminate, meaning mm-hmm. it's it's pushed together so it's put under so much pressure that it's going to hold it's uh, it's going to hold together. And I will say that one of the things I've heard about the cork industry um, while they're using a natural product and there's been some question about sustainability, which I think I want to say like five years ago or more, there was a really awesome article in um, National Geographic about the cork industry. Um, And especially looking at like, hey, how how is that impacting the ecosystems that these organisms are in? Um, I just remember really pretty pictures, so that's yes, why it's beautiful. I remember the <laughs> National I've never been there, but I've seen lots of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and so they were talking about that, and, and so let me collect my thoughts. So that is why moving to that polylaminate system is kind of helping out with that sustainability thing. Kind of similar to the oak barrels and how just the industry on a whole is recognizing how much they are impacting local ecosystems. They're constantly evolving and trying to think of ways to like reuse the product and get every last bit out of it if they are, you know, impacting a particular ecosystem. So I think that's another reason why some of these other cork systems are coming into um, popularity because people are thinking about like, okay, well, this natural product is great, but it is also impacting local ecosystems. So what are these other things? And that was when I mentioned at the very beginning about being on the bottling line and having really awesome conversations with some of the winemakers. That was the vein of the conversation really was about like the use of these different methods and how that is uh, all a game of consumer perception. Yes. And so I, I was going to talk about that a little bit later, but I think, yeah, w- let's we can hold and talk about that a little bit later and let's finish up the last couple types of, of caps. So, yeah. Um, so screw caps. Yes, screw caps. Again, a lot of people have, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, it's changing, but for a while, a lot of people thought only cheap wines have screw caps. Mm-hmm. But the screw cap industry actually has done a ton of research and developed different types of screw caps. So mm. you can have really cheap screw caps, but then you can have screw caps that cost just as much as cork because they have a special um, film or layer on the inside of the the actual screw cap that yeah. breathes like a cork does. So you're going to be able to age some of those wines and they're going to age differently than a natural cork, but they're still getting an oxygen exchange like a natural cork would, which is really interesting. And um, I think the sustainability piece of that one is you can use a lot of post-consumer recycled content in these screw caps. Mm-hmm. And you can also, typically, they're, I think, lighter and, e- and easier to ship yeah. than the natural cork, which is funny because you think about a cork and they're so light, <laughs> but um, the actual screw caps are lighter. The problem- They stack together easier mm-hmm. too. Um, that was because that was one of the 
the ones that was used on the bottling line. And so that was also, so you can ship them in smaller containers right. as well, which overall is, you know, a less yeah. impact. If you have less, less packaging, less materials needed mm-hmm. for those things, then yeah, it's great. It's greener. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, um, you need if you're going so if you have your own bottling line you've been doing this forever the other sustainability side of it is you need to think about the equipment you need so a screw cap takes a completely different piece of equipment than a cork yeah which i will say again back to that uh truck that they yeah. the bottling the bottling truck is really cool because they actually have all of the different ones like jammed together and so it's just like when we switched from doing the cork to the screw cap it was just like oh we're just switching over to this section yes. but they had it arranged in such a way that like the process was the same it's just instead of being at the cork one, we switched over to the screw cap one. Um, And I think it would be really fun if you haven't, uh, just kind of look and see how those machines work and like maybe try to find a video of seeing how like the corks get put into the bottles, Mm -hmm. both the natural ones and then the screw caps. Um, And the screw caps, I will say, are a little bit harder in some ways because the cork, <laughs> it does it, it's for you. And the screw caps, you're putting them on it for it. Like I was literally, that was my job was I was sitting there mm-hmm. like kind of putting put them on. Each on. Bottle. And yeah, you can get before. automated systems for that, but then it's a, again, yeah. a different piece of equipment yeah. and yeah, cost benefit but, analysis. We'll yeah. put some, so I've worked with signature bottle bottling lines, I think is what it's called, signature bottling. Um, okay. They're a mobile bottling in the Northwest. I'll, oh, we'll, mobile we'll put, bottling. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll put that uh, link for them in our show notes. And then we'll also look to see if there are any others. Um, I'm sure there there are. Um, and uh, so if you guys are actually interested in figuring out if you can book a mobile bottler for your next bottling and maybe check out their equipment and that kind of thing, um, we'll have some of that in the show notes. Yeah, so, because part of that is having to go over the bottle, similar to the next one we're going to cop about to like, crunch it onto the bottle. So yeah, crown caps. Needs, crown caps. <laughs> yep, that's that's the one or what you think of bottle caps. I yes, don't know. bottle caps and crown caps are the same thing. Most, so that's most what crown, you use. Yes, that's what we use. Most crown caps are going to be used in sparkling wine. Occasionally, I'll see them um, on still wines, but they're typically for a really bright, fresh, fruity wine, not for a wine that's being aged. And... There, I would say when I've seen that, sometimes it's because uh, this is totally my take on it. I've not actually heard this from a winemaker, but my take on it is sometimes winemakers have extra glass and the crown caps in stock. And they're like, well, we have this small lot of wine. Let's just put it in there um, because otherwise we're going to have to get other, we're going to have to order other glass. We're going to have to order corks. We're going to have to do the whole nine yards. And instead we have this extra stuff that is left over from our sparkling wine that we made last year or whatever it might be. So does crown caps not age as much? And then I was thinking about sparkling wine like yours that you use crown caps versus the natural cork ones. Are those ones not going to be aging um, as with the, oxygen exchange, I guess, as as the other right. ones are? We use crown caps because we want to seal in the bubbles that mm-hmm. are in our bottle. If you have okay. a bottle of sparkling wine and it's corked with a natural mm-hmm. cork, um, 
it's fine to age that wine, but you do want to be careful with aging it too long because there is a slight oxygen exchange happening. So if you're going to age it for 10 years, it might have bubbles when you get to it and it might um, not. Um, it, okay. just, it just depends on how much oxygen exchange is going on and how tight your seal is with your natural cork. For our crown caps, we actually age all of our wines at 3,100 for um, usually, I would say on average, uh, 24 months. Okay. Sometimes we're doing uh, something that's released really soon. Sometimes we're aging them for even longer. And we want to make sure that all the bubbles while they're aging before we finish them are mm. staying in the bottle. So the screw okay. cap is the right choice for us. And then we would love to, at first, well... You mean crown cap? Sorry, yes. Crown cap <laughs> is our choice for um, making sure that all the bubbles stay in. And we're still aging those wines, but we're aging them instead of the oxygen exchange, we're actually aging them on the lees, trying to get okay. some of the flavors that come from aging on the yeast lees. Then when we finish our wines, we still use crown cap to finish. And at first that was because it's just additional equipment to, to get a corker and a capper. So we had the capper already, so we just were using the capper. Now we've thought more and more about it. We haven't invested in a corker yet because we're starting to think, well, again, that's a redundancy and that's, is it more green to just use mm -hmm. crown caps on our finished product because we don't need to get the additional equipment. We don't need to um, have other things shipped to us like cork. Um, it kind of also simplifies our supply chain management. Um, but there is a lot of questions from our customers about when are you going to upgrade to cork? You're making this beautiful wine and don't you want to have a traditional cork in the bottle instead of a crown cap? So yeah. there's that customer perception again. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I was thinking as you were talking about that crown cap. So do other places that use for their final product that natural cork in their sparkling wine, do they use crown caps for a portion and then finish with the natural cork? Usually that's the case. Okay. If you go to a place like Shramsburg in Napa and you go on a mm -hmm. tour and you see all of their bottles lined up, all those bottles are gonna that are aging are going to have crown caps on them. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's and then I think we already talked about it, but glass cork. Do you have anything else to say about? It sounds weird to say glass cork. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Maybe they call it something else. So that's just. I don't know what else to call it. A glass closure. <laughs> yeah, a glass closure. Um, they're really cool. Uh, I've I've had several bottles of wine that have them. I will say if you're if you're going to do glass, a glass closure, maybe don't put a. Uh, we aren't going to talk about foils today, but mm -hmm. foils go over your cork or over the neck of your bottle. They used to mm -hmm. be for, you know, discouraging tampering with wine or making sure oh, okay. that your wines, um, you could tell if they had been tampered with, but they're, they're, I would say they're kind of a thing of the past. You're seeing less and less of them, even on high quality wines. With glass. They're a consumer product again, a thing yeah. to make the consumer feel like exactly. they're getting a better thing. <laughs> Got it. So I would say glass closures, if, if you're going to do a glass closure, which are super cool, 
Make sure that like a screw cap, you have a different, and a crown cap, you have a different oxygen exchange going on. So make sure your sulfurs are dialed in when you go to bottle because mm-hmm. you're going to have more of those um, like matchstick smells when you open a wine if you don't have those super dialed in. And then maybe consider don't don't use a foil, but use, if you feel like you want to put something on there, like a, a strip that goes over it because a lot of times people will start cutting into that looking thinking it's going to be a cork and then... It's just a mess. <laughs> not a, not like a wine mess, but just you're like, what is going on here? And there's yeah. like glass and you're, you've got a knife and it's not good. <laughs> Those two should, things should never be combined <laughs> together. Okay. So now that we kind of know all these different types of closures... Why does it matter to use these different types? And yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> There's the consumer perception is probably the number one thing that winemakers are going to take into account. The second thing I would say for brands that are going deep right now is considering their environmental impact. There's a lot mm-hmm. of discussion about that going on in our industry. And mm-hmm. so being able to find ways that decrease, and I and I will say most most wineries, when they actually have their numbers crunched to figure out uh, where their biggest emission or not emissions um, um, environmental impact. Yeah, their biggest environmental impact is it's typically in their packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it costs a lot of money, and uh, sorry, not a lot of money. It costs a lot of carbon to ship empty glass. Glass is heavy, so yeah. people are looking at getting lighter glass. It costs a lot of carbon to ship corks to then. Mm-hmm cork a bottle that has wine and now that bottle is way heavier and if you're shipping it somewhere else it's just that much more carbon so um, packaging and transport of that packaging is one of the biggest ways to decrease our carbon footprint Mm -hmm. so I would say most businesses are looking at that and considering you know changing up their closures or the way or where they're purchasing their closures from and the other thing that's really important about different bottle closures and if you're trying to decide what you're going to use and why and all that jazz is making sure that the winemaking style that you have matches your closure. So if you have a bottle that's hermetically sealed, it's going Mm -hmm. to age way differently than a bottle that has oxygen exchange. So if you're looking to age wines for years and years and years, you need to take into consideration the differences in that aging if you have a bottle that's basically sealed with a crown cap or a um, synthetic cork versus one that's going to have more of an oxygen exchange with a natural cork or even a, a new screw cap. I was going to say that you weren't wrong in saying money and then switching to carbon because it is also more money because you're yes. paying more for you know expense. it's a hard it's a hard jump for some sometimes for people to make though that like oh yeah I guess I am paying more and it's costing more environmentally <laughs> okay so I know we talked about this a lot that I just wanted to have a, a space a time to really say our piece about the consumer perception mm-hmm on these different things, especially 
the judgment of screw caps <laughs> by consumers because that is a big deal, especially as more and more people are thinking, hey, it makes maybe more economic sense for me to switch over to screw caps. I like the product or you know product better. Yeah. Maybe the supply chain's easier for the screw cap or the synthetic cork right now. So I'm going to switch over to that. What from the consumer perceptions, like what miss things do we want to bust right now? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I I think you always have to just <laughs> judge the wine by the wine, not yeah. by the bottle, not by the closure. Because I have seen some beautiful bottles of wine with really cool, beautiful, natural corks. And mm-hmm. then you go to drink it and you're like, well, that's not flawed. <laughs> You know, that's yeah. like one of the worst things you can say about a wine. Well, it's not flawed. It didn't knock my socks off. It was very mm, fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would, and then also just, uh, I would encourage people to have fun too, just because a wine is goofy mm-hmm. or whatever. You, you can still enjoy it and have fun, even if it's not the absolute best wine you've ever had. Like. They were doing wine tastings at the at the grocery store. You can tell we're in a post-COVID world when they're doing wine tastings at the grocery <laughs> store again. Um, and it was Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg's uh, prisoner what? wine. They I did both, not even they know both, this is a thing. Uh, shoot, I, I think it's 19 Crimes. I don't know. I, I, I'm probably misspeaking. But I was like, that's awesome that they've got Martha and Snoop on the same table in their, in their 19 Crimes wine or whatever it's, it, the label yeah. is. and. I mean, yeah. have fun with it. Also, if you want a, a cork with Snoop Dogg's face, you got to buy that wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. For my next cork board I make. Um, it's all Snoop. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's like the biggest thing that I was thinking about working with farmers and like going to the farmer's market and how so much of the thing is knowing your farmer, knowing the product, knowing how they're they're doing what they're doing because yeah. not everyone is paying for that organic label, but they are organic. And so I just think the same way with the wine industry. And that's why the wine industry to me is so fascinating because it's about those stories that are being told. It's about the yes. people, you know, what they're doing. And so knowing that, is really important. And Mm -hmm. then I also think about it as like, yeah, maybe they're doing in synthetic or screw cap, but you know what? That's because then they can invest in higher quality grapes with their money than maybe um, a fancy label Mm -hmm. or bottling system. is really, uh, it's made a turn, uh, especially if you talk to people within the industry. That was a good one, Haley. It made a turn. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even mean to do it. (laughs) Um, if you're in the industry, don't judge on screw cap because somebody will school you and put you in your place. Screw cap yeah. has made a lot of huge leaps in the last 10, 15 years. And I would say there are some really premier brands using screw cap because they know it's very precise. It's very consistent. So yeah. it's even more consistent, probably maybe, than um, organic, uh, organic um, natural, natural cork. So... Don't judge on screw caps. Always be willing, like we've we've said before, always be willing to try a wine. And if it's not for you, that's fine. But be willing to at least try it. It can be the most beautifully packaged 
all for, cons- you know, looking at consumer reports and being like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to make sure it's what exactly what the consumers want. And it's, maybe it's a great wine. And so it's, it ticks all the boxes. And maybe it's a horrible label that you're like, why would someone put that color on a bottle? It looks terrible. And it's a synthetic cork. And then you try the wine, you're like, dang, that's a really good wine. Now I need to learn why they put that color on here yeah. and why they're using synthetic corks. Ask the questions. Why are you guys doing this? I'm really interested. And don't be judgmental when you ask them. I really love that. And I think that that's, yeah, just don't judge people. So um, <laughs> let's, let's on that note, let's just close this up before we, we go down some weird path. Um, so do you want to, what is the coolest closure you've seen, Haley? I... I'm a lover of sparkling, as many of you know. And one of the yes. coolest closures I've seen is actually a cork mm-hmm. that has a giant staple over the top holding it in place rather uh, than a cage. Uh-huh. It's very utilitarian. It was it's just one of those goofy, I don't know, uh, something different too. It kind of catches your eye when you see it on a shelf. You're like, why is that like that? It's very different. I believe it was an Italian sparkling wine. Okay. okay, what is your what's the coolest closure you've ever seen? Um, I can't remember the brand right now. Um, but it was there's a whiskey brand. So this is not wine. Sorry guys, That's okay. but it's a closure. Still a closure. There's a whiskey brand that has a little horse on the top and I really like Ooh. that. And it's really fun because they have different horses like in different oh. pos- the position like, you know, running positions and stuff. Okay. So you can like collect different ones of, of it of like the It's so like it's a just like figurine on top of the closure. Yeah, yeah, it's on top. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a cork I believe on the bottom but it's like you know how whiskey just you know kind of plug it in and then undo it and it's a little like horse figurine and I really like that one so yeah thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of whole cluster conversation always know you can write in to let us know what you'd like to learn more about chances are we'd love to talk about it on the podcast we'll talk with you next week Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao!